Hello and welcome back to the Dicebreaker Podcast, episode 21. <gasps> it's old enough to drink in the US and do other things that also involve being 21. Congrats, podcast. We've it's, done are it. You, are you implying that every episode of this is one year in podcast space, man? It's 2020, mate. That's how it goes. <laughs> <Pretty much. laughs> yeah. Every week we make it through is another century added to our lives. Yep. Uh, wow. Bringing the good news, I'm Matt Jarvis, Editor-in-Chief of Dicebreaker. Uh, I am joined this week by three of the team. I'm joined by Johnny Chiodini, Head of Video for Dicebreaker. Hello, Johnny. Hello. How are you? I'm all right, all things considered. Thank you very much for asking. Good. I'm glad to hear mm. that. Uh, we are also joined by Alex Meehan. <laughs> there right. it is. The trademark side-to-side look. <laughs> it, you need to make like a noise. It's an audio podcast. Yeah. You need to have like an... Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Like, so you lot who do the editing, you put it in. I'll let you choose. The <laughs> yeah, no worries, mate. Yeah, yeah okay, we'll yeah, sure. It. Yeah, whatever. I didn't see that on the rider, but busy. fine. <laughs> the video team will, will do it, Your Highness. Put your feet you, up, mate. <laughs> what do you think if I actually got a hold of, like, the files and everything and attempted to to make this into a functioning video it would not end well the only software i know how to use is like um windows movie maker yeah pretty much windows movie maker. <laughs> so uh the ultimate video be... editing software experience yeah well then i could put loads of like clip art bits and like mm-hmm. transitions and then the little mm. noise when i do that but other Hello, than that, I'm, I'm okay matt here. jarvis <laughs> yes uh michael wills whelan Rounding out this week's lineup, how are you, Will? You're on the Me and Show. Uh, I'm good. This is <laughs> my Me and Show. You bait me. You bait me into it. <laughs> You've made me this. Are you implying that I stir? I, uh, that's ridiculous. Um, we worked out that it, this is the first episode me and Johnny have been on since episode six. Yeah, Will's and I have not been. Last time me and Johnny were same, on the same podcast, mm. but I guess it's because we always record it. Yeah. So we, we've sort of divvied up the duties, but we've not, here we go. not collided on this here podcast in, in a lot since the podcast was was only this high. So <laughs> we have to do it every now and then to prove that you're not the same person. Yes, uh, and you since have to be seen in the same room. Together. Knee high to a blog. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> so how about them board games? Yeah, how about those board games? We are, of course, here to <laughs> chat about uh, what's happening in the world of board games, what's happening in the world of tabletop RPGs, what we've been playing, and more. So let's get rolling straight into what we have been playing. Let's go in reverse order this week. Wills, what have you been playing? Uh, so prior or post? Prior to? Yeah, prior to my review of um, the Baker Street Regulars, which is the newest um, Sherlock Holmes consulting detective box. I've been going back to the old boxes to see how they hold up in comparison. Um, and I think, I genuinely think, like, and I said this in my review, I, I think the other box now, the other boxes, sorry, now just don't look as good in comparison to the new one. Like, I think there's been so many quality of life improvements that now when I go back, I'm like, mm. <laughs> but we played, um, we played the first case in the blue box, which is Carlton House and Queen's Park. Uh, and it comes with like this massive manor called Colton House, and it has like an entire floor plan. And the first case, I think, might be the plot of Knives Out. <laughs> Spoilers! Yeah, there's knives all over the wall. It's a big uh, manor house. There's like an eccentric millionaire who has knives. Um, loads of family members who are going to get the like inheritance, and you have to find out who murdered him. It's I crazy. Mean, granted, Knives Out is 
a fantastic film, but it is a bit derivative of like your classic murder mysteries anyway. Yeah. Like that that is a very standard setup. Well, it's 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 an homage, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's about cool. it yeah. really. Um, I think listening I to you chat about consulting this. detective really got me like thinking, Oh, I should really go back to that series. Get I think, the Baker Street box, mate. It's yeah, it's the that's best it's really kind of I've played in a long time because I've it's played so a, a few of them, but I think the Jack the Ripper one it was good, but it was kind of just like it left a bit of an odd taste in the mouth because it was kind of based on real life mm, stuff, yeah. and it kind of was a bit like. Mm, I but I think in playing that because I played it a lot because I reviewed it at the time, I, it then kind of it almost wiped out my memory, my very fond memories of playing normal consulting detective where it's yeah. like oh this is fun agatha christie style you know murder murder mystery in um mm. so i'm very uh very excited to to yeah, go back so to it at some point the weird thing with the jet the rift box as well is that like the first four cases are like a campaign going through the real world like jet the Ripper cases but then mm. after that it just goes back to normal again so you get six like just bog standard cases um and we played two of those because basically we wanted to like try a couple from all three of the previous boxes to see how they hold up in comparison. So that I had like an idea when writing the review. Um, and the red one, like the first case we played, was pretty good, but it was a bit sort of like it, it had a. Although it is set in Victorian times, it had a pretty outdated view on mental health issues. Mm which made it a little bit sour, like you said. And then the one after that was just a bit dull. So the red box hasn't really impressed me all that much. The brown one is very much like, you know, the game was maybe in the 80s. You can cut it some slack. It's been a while, and it's just sort of been revamped. Whereas the blue one feels a little bit more interesting, but we're still sort of only halfway through the first case. Mm. So. But yeah. Mm. yeah. Interesting. Has anyone played Watson and Holmes as well? Yeah. So the... This is like the... the sp- I guess it's like a spin-off to console. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not... Competitive version, isn't it? Yeah, and it's like it's almost got like very light cases, but you're. Yeah. I think you're still the Baker Street Irregulars, right? And you, but you're well, kind you, of competing. You have, you have um, characters, so because you, you have, you don't see this in the first couple of cases, but you have, um, you pick one of the characters of Sherlock's like Motley Crew, uh, apart from Sherlock and Watson themselves, and then you like you all go out on your own investigation, competing with each other to crack it first, so that you can go to Sherlock and be like, "I'm just as smart <laughs> as you are." <laughs> so you you can go to Sherlock and like flex at him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what? Yeah, about. done at homes. Yeah, yeah. Nice and easy, actually. That one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's odd. You like bid to go to locations ahead of people, so you're mm. trying to get the carriages faster and things like that. I actually I kind of like it. It's but quite it's, fun. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the just only a thing bit with... of a different thing. The only thing that I didn't like as much about Holmes and Watson or Watson Holmes or whatever it is, um, my I really struggle to write quickly, um, which means that the person I play it with they are always in charge of writing the notes and I'm always in charge of reading out, which is a pretty good distribution because you know I do like to read out in a stupid voice, um, so it's it's like a sort of a nice way up there. But when you play competitively, you don't want to read out the clues that you've got because then you're giving more info to your um, competitors. Of course. So you have to write it down and everyone is just sat there waiting for me to finish my notes and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I feel very anxious now. Oh no, that's not fun. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So I would recommend playing the cooperative version if you're if you're a bad writer like I am. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Wills, is that all from you? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I've also been playing some Keyforge. I've been playing the new set. Um, hmm. So I've been playing... Uh, like now that I've got 
we've got social bubble laws in England. I can actually see real human beings. So I've been teaching Keyforge to Zoe. So I might see if she wants to do a let, like a crossover Eurogamer Let's Play well, well. of uh, us playing Keyforge. That'd be quite fun. Mm. Is this where... mass mutation? Yeah, this is mass mutation. The newest, yeah, set, with, with the big boy dinosaur lad, which is the only <laughs> yeah, one yeah, of the big yeah. boys that I've seen so far. Yeah, I, uh, that's on TTS at the moment as well. Yes, yeah. Um, and I had fun with it. I didn't come across any of the big boys though. I've got a deck with the big boy dinosaur in it, but that's the only Ooh. one I've seen. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's it's um, not only is the social bubble laws now in England, but also a couple of us have been like phasing back into the office. So myself, Zoe, and Dean like the first sort of testers because we use the studios the most um out of the people who are based in brighton so like i've just been over lunch just sort of teaching people how to play games and stuff which has been good fun but yeah that's about it really. isn't it amazing to sit around the table and actually just play a game it's oh it's crazy it's, oh, <laughs> for, forgot what it was like i'm still still buzzing <laughs> off the game of the crew i had last week it was amazing <laughs> Yeah, let's roll on to you then, Johnny. What have you been playing? Um, it's been a quieter week. Uh, it's been just basically back onto tabletop role-playing games. I say it's been a quieter week. I've played Lasers and Feelings, Legend of Five, Ring, Five Rings, Deadlands of Weird West, and oh, on Sunday I went to the park and played Koob, which is just it's it's a it's a big dexterity game basically. Okay. Viking chess, just chucking bits of wood at other bits of wood. It's great fun. Is a big dexterity game. Not just a sport. Well, <laughs> uh, well, technically, Coop is a lawn game, so I think okay. it just about rides the balance. Like croquet, I would say is a lawn game, not a dexterity game. But basically, Coop has a hundred. I'm imagining a scale. Now. It has well, yeah, it has a one hundred percent success rate in terms of people I know who like board games and like Coop. It's it's an absolute blinder. But um, I played Legend of the Five Rings for the first time. Uh, we played. I think it's fourth edition rather than the latest one, which is fifth, because um, we sort of we were looking at which one to play, and people really don't like fifth ed, um, so we were just completely put off by the reviews. So we went back to fourth, mm. and it's amazing playing a game that has such a strict or not strict, such a, a, a structured and integrated social hierarchy, in which if you say the wrong thing, if you're too bold to somebody who is basically your superior then you can lose honor points and it can like mess with your designs. So, you know, I, I made a suggestion to be like, well, perhaps we should come along to do this. And I lost point two honor points because it was inappropriate for me to say so. Um, so it was like, and obviously even communicating as characters between one another, we had to remain sort of honorable-ish. Um, my character was a bit of adult who wasn't able to keep a secret. So, or, well, we couldn't tell a lie. So I was, I had a bit more flexibility, but it was incredible to be talking to one another and saying, you know, like, I think that there may be, uh, you know, while not wanting to besmirch the name of the, the Imperial family, I suspect that there is something, you know, amiss here, blah, 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 blah. Um, and it was, it was such a different experience. I really felt like I got a keen sense of my character, but also a keen sense of my character behaving rather than being like, mm. I'm the rogue and I'll say anything to anyone. Where's the King Goose? I'm going to say boo. You know, like it was, it was really refreshing. Um, so that was nice. Um, played Deadlands because when do I not? And um, I ran Lasers and Feelings for outside Xbox. Uh, we just saw the Oxventure in space as part of the Repop Metaverse, and uh, I'd never run Lasers and Feelings before. Uh, and it's, I mean, it's lovely. It's, it's a, it's a quick John Harper throwing some D6s about the table game. But um, I, I will say, I found it, I found it quite 
hard to call sometimes whether it should be a lasers or feelings role because I knew that characters had a certain number so they had a, a role they clearly preferred but mm. I so I felt I felt bad sometimes being like this is going to be lasers knowing somebody had a two because they were doing something clever and I kind of wanted to reward them it was like there's no way this is feelings so I found that interesting it was a bit more of a bind that basically as most role-playing games do maybe just go oh, I wish I was playing Blaze in the Dark or Scum and Villainy so yeah I think um, with the Lazy and Thieves things it's not just how it's not just the action that you're doing it's also like the way that you're approaching it I think like you can you can hack angrily and you can hack coolly do you know what I mean yeah like this is fair yeah I think I think you have to be quite sort of flexible when you're playing because it's so rules like you have to be really like yeah really loose and loosey goosey I mean yeah I, I did start asking people questions like how are you flying do you fly straight down the line like do you fly with your head or your heart and that was a nicer way of sort of um sort of getting people involved in it it's it's almost like it needed a touch and when i say a touch it's it's bold italics and triple underlined a touch of the same system that that dishonored runs on just that one bit where you give an adjective to how you're doing an action because that's Mm. that's nice Mm, that's one of the things that i really liked about the office yeah Mm. like I've got problems with it, but that's one of the things I really liked about yeah. it. It's a really nice idea, I think, yeah. the, the 2D20. I'm not sure it works all that well, but I think no. like the concept behind it is really cool. Yeah, I think the, the what Johnny was saying about being able to add an adjective to what you're doing, to like, well, this is the way I'm doing it. I really like that. But the the system at its core, I'm like... Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really Lancer bad. has like a sort of trigger system where... Um, that you can make your own triggers, but there's also a big list of them in the book. Where if you're like doing anything, if you're like, I think this counts as using this trigger, you'll get a plus based on whatever um, level of that trigger you have. Mm. So you might be like, um, I'm going to struggle to pick an example out of my head now. But like, like, you know, you might be like, um, I'm not going to take any prisoners or whatever. Right. What system so is like, this? Sorry. This is Lance. Oh, okay. Um, which is the mech driving yep. sci-fi RPG, which is very cool. Um, so, like, not going to take any prisoners is, is sort of vague enough that you know what that means when someone's doing it, but it doesn't conform to one action. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, you can fight like you're taking no prisoners, but you can also, like, public speak like you're taking no prisoners. Yeah. You can also insult pers- a person like you're taking no prisoners. So, like, there's a lot of different ways that you can be like, this is, like, the kind of way that my character reacts to certain situations and how they would do things. Mm. So when I lean into that, the odds fall in my favour a bit more, sort of thing. Mm. Which is yeah. quite nice. I am excited to play Lanza. I've been reading quite a bit of that rule book. Uh, and just... Yeah, I haven't... I don't think I've ever played an RPG where you have... Like, where a, a vehicle or some kind of external thing is a key part of it. So mm. I'm kind of interested to see how that plays out in gameplay, because I think at points it can be hard to juggle the kind of like, oh, I'm a person inside this mech, but also the mech is very important and what I'm doing with it. So so it almost ends up in that, oh, at this point, is it just like pure combat and I'm just a big stompy metal person? Or, you know, do I have feelings inside the robot? <laughs> that kind of thing. I think it's yeah. like a ghost hard, in the shell. <laughs> a hard thing to, to juggle. Yeah, like the Evangelion kind of like, oh, I'm I'm sobbing inside this mech. How do I portray that in an RPG? But yeah, I just think... have the tears like come out of the robots. Just like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can't see me, can you? Never mind. Uh, so... Were you doing windscreen wipers <laughs> for your eyes? 
Yeah, essentially. Um, You're nothing so... if not predictable, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, it was round about that. That's not exactly what it's Leaking going. coolant. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the... Um... You are essentially just like it's it's the same thing if you were playing, I don't know, Apocalypse World and you were driving a car around. Like it's not like the, the object that you're using is just as important and the way that you describe it and stuff, mm. but it's not always just combat. I think like you can like you might use a mech to try and help fleeing civilians by like bridging your arms across a giant chasm or something like mm. that. And you can still use the same um system that you use when you're out of the mech to roleplay and it doesn't feel too uh separate. But then, just like you were playing D anD D or whatever, there is a moment where you are just like, right, we are now in combat, and then it turns into sort of like a hexy board game, yeah, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's very much like you, you are just as human inside your mech as you are outside of it. I think, which is quite cool. Yeah, Lanza seems it. They have. I might be getting confused because I started reading a different mech RPG as well. But is it Lanza has the kind of like very defined like, okay, here is our little like almost group huddle before we go out. Yeah, you have like a sort of tactical breakdown of what this mission's going to be, what you're trying to get out of it kind of thing. Hmm. Um, Which is all, you know, much like Blades of the Dark is defined by the players. So the GM might be like, here's the situation. What do you want to get out of this situation? Well, we want to, you know, do what the contract was given to us or we might want to actually start using that information to get our own personal profit or whatever. Um, And you have like a sort of like loose tie of like, why are these characters built together? Like, they very much want the background to be really important to you um so the the best thing about lancer is it has all of this in like a big flashy website where you like make characters like you're in a video game uh and it's like choose your background just like you know we saw in the cyberpunk trailers or whatever for 2077 where it's like are you a corpo or a street kid imagine that but there's like 20 of them and they're all really evocative Mm. but also open-ended so you can just sort of like jump off from that as a as a starting point which is really cool cool all right Johnny, I mean, it doesn't sound like it was that quiet a week. Have you been playing anything else? Uh, <laughs> no, it, in, in retrospect, it wasn't. I, when we were filling in the dock, I was like, oh, I've played two RPGs. Uh, no, it's, it's been busy but fun and, and nice. Uh, I've not done any painting and I want to get back to it. But, uh, you know, that's a me problem, not a you problem. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, me and let's move on to you. What have you been playing this week? Talk, talking of quiet weeks. Boy, it's been quiet over here. Uh... I've played approximately one game of Fort and and Rummy. Rummy's a great game. The card game. Yeah. The card game Rummy. Um which is like one of your classic playing card games. Uh that's I don't even know how old. But um uh yeah. Um unfortunately living with just one other person sometimes make it very difficult to play anything much mm. especially when the other person is especially busy in the moment um, so yeah I won on four like pretty much slammed it um, and Rummy is fun and quick and we can have a drink while playing it and not really have to really think especially about it especially if you're playing gin Rummy uh, I mean, it's already got rum in the title. Oh, yeah. God damn it. Oh, gin and rum. Is... No, thanks. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Well, white rum, you could make a Long Island Actually, iced tea. that's very true. Uh, I take it Although back. you'd have to add three other spirits. So yeah, it's not yeah. quite. Yeah, Long Island iced tea. Oh, my goodness. That cocktail is just basically. Definitely glass. Oh, yeah, God, yeah. it's incredible. 
I remember one of my friends briefly got obsessed with the idea of drinking Beatles. He was like, "Is what the Beatles used to drink, and it's rum, whiskey, and coke." And he kept he kept being like, "Let's have a Beatle." I'd be like, "I don't want to. I don't like you that may not like whiskey, like. but I do. Stop putting rum in it." So, yeah, <laughs> I've I mean, never heard of this. Mm. Rum and coke, good. Whiskey and coke, good. Rum and rum, whiskey, whiskey and, and coke. coke. Just like it's just noisy, isn't it? So like, stop it. Sounds like their contributions to drinks were about as good as their contributions to music. So let's move on! <laughs> oh, this is not a... What do you think we are? Pitchfork? Uh, let's, there's a little, like, uh, for, your, for all you hipsters out there, given that... Where yeah. the spin-off, Pitch Spork? I, I don't endorse Mr. Whelan's opinion. <laughs> no, not in any, no. any regard. Not, not in any regard for anything. <laughs> Normally, I wouldn't, to segue, normally I wouldn't uh, give much stock in Wills's opinions. This is a mean thing to say. I'm just segueing Wills. I trust you very much. Uh, but Wills got me into Infinity, which is what I've yeah. been playing this week. Uh, what I say playing, what I did was spend all of Saturday putting together uh, a new JSA army and then most of Sunday painting one of the mech model things in Evangelion colours. Paint uh, the robot Shinji. One. Yes. Um, so... I am excited to get into that, and now I've convinced at least two other people, potentially three, to get into Infinity. So we're now starting just like a wargaming club, Yay! just kind of ad hoc. Um, so I am, like I say, I'm JSA. Uh, my friend is collecting the Nomads. Uh, mm-hmm. Our other friend is doing Caledonians. Um, and then the fourth member of the group is kind of undecided because we were playing uh, Overwatch last night. And we're like, you should get into Infinity. And it's like, all right. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> Easily swayed. It's uh, it's exciting times. I I've not been this excited about. Well, I've enjoyed a lot of miniatures games, but I think this is the first one I can really feel becoming that kind of sense of like, oh, this could be like a. I'm gonna stick with it rather I mean, than just kind of like I'm gonna play a bunch of this for review or some kind of coverage and then move on from it. This is like a thing in the background that's just gonna. Take there's over, nothing quite like okay. the feeling you're getting in on the ground floor with people at yeah. the same time. That's what really yeah. hit off with me and um, Age of Sigma Warcry. So a bunch of us went, let's do this, and we're doing it, and it's nice. I think, I was, I was just going to say, because it's still, it is one of the most popular ones outside of the Games Workshop sphere, but I think because it is outside of that sphere, it's still a bit like, hey, have you heard of this? And they're like, no, what's this? So you still get that exciting thing of like, no, 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 no like, you know, Warhammer's not what you think it is. It's, it's just sort of like, hey, have you heard of this? No, okay, let me tell you how cool this thing is, sort of thing, mm. I think, which makes it really exciting. Mm. Yeah, I, I really. Think, oh, sorry, man. I was just gonna say, I think I'm just waiting for the miniatures game to find the miniature game that that's for me, because like for the most part, the miniatures games, a lot of the settings don't really appeal to my sensibilities. Like, not hugely into the kind of dark, like, you know, oppressive, you know, world of war of uh, Warhammer or Warhammer 40k not really into like the futuristic i think it's just because i mean this is going to sound really stupid but i think it's because obviously because they're miniatures games they're kind of centered around different armies and such and i'm just not really hugely into like just settings that are based around warring factions Mm. and such me and do you know anything about malifaux Never heard of it. <laughs> okay, so Malifaux uh, is set in like a sort of weird alternate Victorian 
uh, steampunky world. And there Carry is a on. faction. There's a faction in which you can play uh, hillbilly swamp goblins who ride robot mosquitoes. Okay. And they're, and they're this not. Is you're, pretty yeah, good. you're not a. You're not a faction. You're a crew. So like, although there are sort of like overarching factions of like things that you can like use models in, you're just like a crew with a leader who's got like their henchmen and they're out to just nick stuff. Um, and it's very cool. Um, but there's also a new edition out. I think we might be painting. Yeah, some third soon, ed. Hopefully. Um, so and the model, the models yeah, are lovely, that. and you can even get a pigapult, which is as as it sounds, a pig catapult. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. I just think a lot of the settings are just very serious. They are, yeah, a lot of them. Which mm. which is fine, but like I'm sat there. To be honest, Infinity is probably one of the ones that that I've been most sort of okay. That sounds all right, but like none of them have really piqued my interest yet. Mm-hmm. So. The weird, weird thing with minis games is like, they always seem so serious on the outside, but when you actually get invested in them, they're really goofy. Wow. Like, I've, I've never played a minis game where I haven't just found a bit of lore where I'm like, excuse me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they also inqui- you know, require a lot of investment. That, yes. That's another thing true. That, that kind of puts me off stuff like, like with like magic and... and you know things where you have to like oh you need this much in order to actually start with it and then you need to carry it on yeah that's why i like frostgrove so so much because it is just like super cheap buy-in and you are a wizard and the wizard's apprentice and they've hired some goons because they're heading into the frozen city in search of artifacts and they're going to fight anyone else who comes near them because they're their artifacts damn it and it's very silly Yeah, it's you, why... you just play with whatever you want as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I play with that's so why I, I play with medieval rabbits that are skinning uh, monks alive. Because <laughs> oh, wow. so basically the rabbits, the wizard is a monk being flayed, and the apprentice is a monk being beaten beaten up, uh, and it's because they are human. Uh, there's a human wizard and his apprentice who have been captured by rabbits and are being forced to do magic. They're like, do a spell. Uh, so the rabbits are the actual ones running the show. Oh, wow! Really dark ratatouille. Brutal. Yeah, pretty much. Wow! <laughs> really? What are you doing? Ah! <laughs> My leg! Swelling me as another rabbit bursts from the top. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's 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 kind of where I am. I'm really. Ex- I think it is because I've managed to find other people who are kind of getting into it with me, um, and because there's kind of no pressure. So it's just like, hey, we'll we'll start collecting these. At some point we'll play. I actually, one thing I will say is that I really liked um, is I picked up a, I think it's just called like a starter set or like a sectorial army pack, mm-hmm. but it came with a handful of models, including um, a biker person with a scythe on like yes. an Akira looking bike, which I've got was it right very next cool. To me. You, won't, you won't actually be able to see it, but I've got it on the yeah, side here, so I'll just show it to the people at home if they're watching on YouTube. The models are really good. Um, but it also, so it came with all that, it came with quick start rules, and I love the rules because they use D20s, which is very nice, and you roll under target numbers, and they're generally quite slick. I mean, it's still a war game, so there's still an amount of rocking cover and whatnot, but you can also react to uh, the opponent's moves. But the thing that I really liked is they just do these packs of scenery, so it's like a, a paper terrain map, and then a load of pop-up paper buildings and things mm. like that, and bridges... And I think it's about eight quid for an entire set. So it comes with the whole mat, comes with like 
I don't know, half a dozen buildings or so. But it's like a really nice way of like, oh, you don't have to paint a load of terrain. You don't have yeah. to like craft a load of foam. It's just like a, it's all recyclable. Like it's a, a cool thing to just be able to like, bunk, there's a, there's a whole battlefield ready to go. Yeah, they've which, given those an upgrade in the new sets as well, which are, um, they, it does make them a little bit more expensive, obviously, but they're like thick card stock. So they're like, they're properly like weighty buildings. So you don't have like the sort of floppy kind of, like you put a model on it and it just sinks a little bit. <laughs> I'm getting very close to having to put my fingers in my ears and go, la, 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 I'm not listening. <laughs> Johnny, it's so Stop good. It. I'll teach you when you're in the no. office. We'll do it. We'll do a Stop play. that. We'll do a play. Stop that. It. It's all good. Stop it. You'll love Stop it. it. You'll love I mean, it. I'm probably a better target than Johnny because I haven't got any miniatures games I'm playing. So. I, I would say that Infinity is is pretty complex for a like like because uh, we did a list of miniatures games. I said if if it's your first time playing a miniatures game, I wouldn't start with Infinity because it's like it's pretty heavy. Whereas you can you can have one that's just a bit more sort of like yeah, it's a bit more breezy. You roll some dice, it's all fine. Yeah, but I'll I'll have babies first miniatures game, <laughs> like which is basically me fishing out my My Little Ponies from a bag under my bed and like trying to use them i'd handy p take you on in like my little pony Frostgrave. Mm. yep which There's... is a perfectly plausible way to play the game if you've got yeah. my yeah. little pony toys because they're, you can use whatever bit... miniatures you want they're a bit big it, you are going to suffer with line of sight and shooting rolls <laughs> is, the pro- <laughs> is the problem so you do have to be able to, to see one another and if you're if you're fielding a my little pony you're going to be towering over all the terrain Unless <laughs> have you got line of sight? Yeah, I can just see your cutie mark through that um, <laughs> that arched window. <laughs> yeah, well, they've got they they make up for it in sheer will and force. Oh, I yeah, like absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I will say that like Osprey, which makes uh, Frostgrave or publishes Frostgrave, they do a really great job with. Hey, here's just a, a small book that has some mm-hmm. rules. They're relatively light. Just use whatever you've already got lying around. So Frostgrave does it. Gaslands does it. Gaslands oh, is, so Gaslands is great. But there's just like a number of games. So it's just like, oh, here's the rule book. It's like 15 quid or something like that. Maybe 25. But you can just use what whatever you already have. And you don't need to then feel like you're, you know, buying in for upwards of 50 to 100 pounds. Mm, it's mm. more accessibility in that miniatures games is speaking good. of Gaslands, Johnny, uh, we did actually get some correspondence from the guys at Osprey saying we'll send you some stuff if it makes it easier for, to do, for you to do oh, Gaslands oh, oh, on the channel. Oh, 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 <laughs> we should absolutely do yes, that. Yes, I've had some some Hot Wheels cars uh, ready to be sort of painted up and, and have some bits stuck on them for like two years now, yeah. and I've just not got around to I've it. I've got one sitting in the office. Let's let's get it done. Let's get her done. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's roll on to some news, shall we? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, so, news this week. It's an interesting mix. I think it's like it's been a generally quieter week, but it means that there's been some interesting kind of releases on the smaller side rather than just the, the big stuff we've had for a couple of weeks. I think uh, most people hopefully know about this. Uh, the rules came out last month, but now they are making miniatures of the combat wheelchair made by Sarah mm. Thompson. Uh, Mustangs Art on Twitter, who does some fantastic stuff um, around kind of like accessibility and role playing games and creating content, uh, all of which I think is free. Um, they have a Patreon, but you can also just pick up the rules and they come in book form, uh, a version with autistic friendly fonts, um, and also just audiobook. So their their content is also incredibly accessible itself. But um, yeah, so uh, Sarah put out some 
rules for a combat wheelchair in D and D five E, um, which you know incredibly fully fledged, like uh, detailing how it can be used in general day to day adventuring, but also in combat with like specific moves and custom upgrades depending on the character and different classes. Really, really impressive stuff. Um, and now they have teamed up with uh, Russ Charles, I believe. Yes, Russ Charles of Steamforge Games to create miniatures. So kind of official miniatures which are coming out later this they're year. They're so cool. Um, they're really, really nice. You, if you've got a 3D printer, you can pay a fiver just to download the printing file for either resin or metal and just get them done straight away. Or 15 quid gets you that file, but also will order you a miniature. I think not including postage and packaging. How do I know this? It's because I've got a dwarven one on the way. <laughs> uh, I saw it and just thought, that is so cool. It's like a dwarven barbarian leaning forward in the chair um just with like a big like burning torch behind them and like axes like at the ready it's it's so badass uh, there are three i think there's like four, oh, four. So there's a human druid elf rogue tiefling cleric and dwarf barbarian is that's it the rogue's got uh throwing knives in the like the spokes of the wheels and like it's all oh, so cool oh you could pull them out and fling exactly them. yeah it's, it's great awesome. and it's been especially nice to see sort of the the love they've been getting online since like a whole bunch of ableists just absolutely pooped mm. the bed when they saw the rules um of course they did it's D D, yeah. mate it's like, <laughs> it's like, a, it's um, like a, a cesspit of, of it's really pulled some nasty people out the woodwork who can accept mm. you know dragons and magic and alternate realms but can't imagine that a a disabled person wouldn't want to be in massive inverted commas fixed or you know somebody tried to argue that the combat wheelchair is is not uh, it, it just is not practical because it's a fantasy staple that doors are smaller than in real life. And it's like, in what? Oh in God. Alice in Wonderland, you look at any source book, the doors are honking massive because... Yeah. Also, like, every character anyone ever plays is like a seven-foot exactly. half-orc <laughs> with muscles, like, bigger than anyone you've ever it's seen. It's just some people are really not willing to, to just... Like, except that perhaps disabled people want to be represented in tabletop games, and that is sad. Mm, well, those people can get, find a hole, that's a big <laughs> one, uh, and, and go in there and just just stay, just stay there forever, forever. <laughs> Never talk to anyone else ever again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So these are these are really cool. If you're interested in checking them out, they are. So the manufacturer is Strata Minis, um, which I had not come across before. Um, but like I said, they've been sculpted by Russ Charles and Thomas Lishman, um, who wasn't, are the. Uh, wasn't Russ involved with the cat and the dog ones? Uh-huh. Yes, yeah. So Russ yes, Charles that's... is co-creator of Cats and Catacombs and that, Dungeons and yep. Doggies. That's why I remembered his name. Yes, which so, are also very yeah. very nice minis. They are. Yep, yeah, they're they really cool. Really Although nice. very small. Yeah, so very small <laughs> and hard to paint. Um, but we well we painted some on a dice painter episode a while we back. We did. Now, uh, if you're interested in seeing some of the cats and catacombs, um, they're really neat. And then they are they're either putting out they've put out Animal Adventures, which is a tie-in yep. RPG for those sets. Um, so yeah, it's it's really cool to see folks across the industry, obviously coming together in support of this. Also, 25% of the proceeds are going towards um, Ella's Danlos Support UK, mm-hmm. um, which supports those living with uh, the kind of digital group of genetic conditions. Um, so it's for a good cause as well. So go and check them out. It's it's just a good, wholesome story across the board, this. Mm. Mm. I would say, um, I don't know if she's still doing it, but um, there's a, a lady called Tanya who um, does a lot of Twitch streaming and RPG stuff. 
uh, you can find on Twitter as um, at oh god how do you pronounce that Cypher of Tear T-Y-R oh yeah 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 Cypher of Tear um, she has put together a big like PayPal balance for people who are not financially able to grab those minis but would like to be represented so you can like just reach out and say hey can you buy the mini for me uh, and she's willing to do that which is really really nice yeah. so give that yeah. a look I'm not sure if it's still running by the time this podcast goes out but it's still worth a shout out nonetheless yeah, yeah. absolutely alright uh, let's move on to the next story uh, swing back hard in a different direction Basically, this is just that Warhammer 40,000, Age of Sigmar, and blah blah are getting board games. Okay. Who would have funk it? <laughs> the Warhammer machine keeps on turning. Um, so yeah, they're, they're just upcoming. So there's a new Space Marine Adventures game for 40k, which is kind of like a dungeon crawler. Um, there was uh, one that what, came out a couple what, of years ago. A, a what, Matt Jarvis? A dungeon crawler. A dungeon crawler for so Warhammer? This is a follow-up to... <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Follow up to Labyrinth of the Necrons, which came out a couple of years ago, which had Necrons and Space Space Marines, and this is called Rise of the Orcs. Uh, and has Space Marines and Orcs instead. Oh. So Wow. Who'd have thought oh it? my god. Is it winter already? Are the roads freezing <laughs> over? Because you are throwing salt like no tomorrow. <laughs> Good lord. I don't know why I'm in this mood. I think I think I've just been riled up. Evidently. <laughs> birthday's coming at me and you're getting, getting yeah. cranky. Getting old. Getting... <laughs> no, I'm getting ready to put my crown on. <laughs> uh, the Age of Sigmar game is Crypt Hunters, which is kind of like a like another dungeon crawlery thing. <laughs> you put down hex tiles. Um, you play as Stormcast Eternals, and you're up against some of the Night Haunt uh, Chain Rasps. So. Uh- I like to say I clearly am not the only person <laughs> spreading salt. I just yeah, you bored got, of the poster got, children for Sigma. Yep. And then finally, there's Blitz Bowl, a new season of Blitz Bowl, which is kind of like the spin-off from Blood Bowl, which is the spin-off from Warhammer. So Blitz Bowl is the spin-off like a, from. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so Bl- Blitz Bowl is just like a small version of Blood Bowl that plays very, very much quicker, um, but it's kind of just Blood Bowl. Shortened down, and those are the free games coming. The, I think the the thing to note out of this, and the reason they kind of feature who you'd expect, is that the models are the models from the respective ah, games. Forty k, yeah, 40K, yeah it's pretty Sigmar. much the exact ones you get from, um, isn't it? Uh, Underworlds. Yeah, this is this is uh, what yeah. sort of throws me a little bit. It's like uh, maybe it's just that you know Underworlds has a community now, and they're you know it's not really growing, but. If you want an Age of Sigma board game, pick up any of the Underworlds ones. You don't have to keep up yeah, with the meta. Shades by, you'll be able to get quite cheap now, and it's a banger. And you can pick up a warband, and you can just go, go, go. It's cards, it's dice, it's hitting, it's fun. Yeah, that's a board game, Yeah, because right? it's also going to be supported. Like You know it's going to be supported more than these sort of single-release board games where it's like... Mm. You know that thing that is we, re- we really focus on all of the time? Well, here it is, over here now. Like, like <laughs> yes you want okay. it right like, you want look, it look you can look ooh a stormcast eternal <laughs> it's the same models version 32 open wide <laughs> <laughs> and making this slightly more complicated is that uh, they'll be exclusive to Barnes & Noble in the US so if you're listening in the US that's where you'll find them fantastic um, in the UK I think only Rise of the Orcs is coming out and it's exclusive to Game the video game retailer <laughs> What? And then in Germany, they'll be sold. They'll be sold in Thalia like Bucher. 
Oh, I almost hear Lolis like criticizing my German pronunciation. I'm sorry, Lolis. <laughs> and Meyerschisch um, Buchhandlung. Oh says, yeah, that one. Followed yeah, by GameStop yeah. Germany. Uh, the details are in the D- Dicebreak story. I'm, apologies for my terrible pronunciation of German uh, retailer names. And but, apologies uh, yeah, on behalf it just seems like of, these are uh, like Games Workshop. <laughs> they're very much aiming at like folks who maybe know of the name Warhammer but have mm-hmm. never played. Walk into like big mainstream retailer, see box, go, oh yeah, Warhammer, pick up box, okay, yeah. and then go, oh, I've got some of those models now. Maybe, maybe I'll then. This is very much their strategy at the moment, isn't it? Just like, how many different avenues can we sort of tease people in so that they have now put a model together, they know it's not that hard, and they can sort of like... So I think they're all pushed it as well, so you don't need to glue them, which is, again, it's kind of the way they're going, is just make the the onboarding process as smooth as possible. Um, But it's worth saying, like, Shades by a great set of games, like, these could be fantastic, who knows? Yeah, true, true. But also it is one of those things where you're looking and go, yeah, of course they're doing that. I think another thing with these ones is that like um, people who are actual fans of Warhammer already and maybe collect one of the armies will be like, well, I might as well pick it up because it's a board game that might be fun, but also I get free miniatures that I can just add to my army as well. I think I could make a better board game. (laughs) Right. Here we go. Right. The the, the (laughs) gauntlet's thrown. What about a dexterity game with the miniatures? Where you have to like catapult them and do something like that. That's not something you'd expect, is it? Huh? I, I got you well, there. Well, the, the push fit ones, you don't want to drop them. You don't want to drop any of them, really. <laughs> well, they'll be they'll be designed that they're easy to push I, back. I tell in. you what. Like they got little holes that you can pop the limbs back. We'll in. We'll try and get these. We'll try and get the games in. You design a board game, and then we'll do a big <laughs> review roundup. <laughs> Yeah. Who is better? <laughs> I'll make it myself. <laughs> yep. God. We'll do that when we're all Me back in the office. We'll 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 do some before you start testing. designing a board game. And if I win, I get to gloat openly at Games Workshop. I'm sure that'll do wonders for our professional relationship. <laughs> <laughs> it's all fair game. They signed the contract. Yes, of course they did. Yeah, I forgot about that bit. Oh, and before you design this game, can you uh, tell the folks about this new story about Castles of Tuscany? Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's got. It's, I've got to be quick though, Matt Jarvis. It's going to take a while to design this game. Um, right, yeah, Castles of Tuscany appears to be a sequel to the beloved game Castles of Burgundy. I was going to ask, yeah. Yeah, um... It hasn't been officially announced yet, but it might as well have been because there have been so many leaks that everyone's fairly aware that it exists. Um, but uh, the rule book was essentially uh, put out on by someone from Renegade. Not Renegade, is it Renegade? No, 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 no. Who's the publisher? Ravensburger. Uh, Raven, Ravensburger. Ravensburger, sorry. Bleh. Begins of R. Uh, Ravensburger, <laughs> yeah, someone from Ravensburger put out the rule book uh, for the game. Uh, and it looks like a more straightforward version of Castles of Burgundy, where you play as a noble in Tuscany uh, during the Renaissance period, which I'm a fan of, personally. <laughs> Uh, and you're looking to gain power and wealth by sort of investing in the local area 
uh, by building like monasteries and various villages, uh, by placing tiles, uh, and uh, it's like a mixture of a tile drafting game with a bit of resource management and yeah, I imagine it's uh, another game for people who like the first one, but also a game for people who are a bit intimidated by the first one and want an easier entry point. Also, I personally think it's a more interesting setting hmm. than Castles and Burgundy, which is uh, medieval France. You heard it first. First being takes down Games Workshop. <laughs> now she's after medieval <laughs> France. Will will she be stopped? No. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just paying my dues. <laughs> what to who? Or what? To medieval France <laughs> and Games Workshop, Matt. <laughs> You'll get yours, medieval France. Um, <laughs> I see you, you sat there. You've had the rubber the green for too long. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> me and Matt, what, what's Cloud Age? <laughs> well, this is another Alex Meehan story. Um, almost uh, like yeah. I put these in here to try and distract her from picking fights <laughs> with various publishers in the industry and also periods of time. See, he, you were wrong. I fooled you because I can make this into that. Uh, no, Cloud Age is fine. Um, <laughs> it's uh, the next game. I, Matt, I don't want to try and say the name because I'm going to ruin it. It's Alexander Fister. There you go. Matt did it because he's good at this sort of thing. Um, uh, yeah. Barely you, know <laughs> the designer of Great Western Trail. Yeah. Uh, which is, a, yeah, fairly liked game i haven't played it myself but uh cowboys and wild west yeehaw i believe cattle are involved are they not matt jarvis yeah it's just all driving you it's less cowboys and more just pushing pushing cows up the board well, and then putting them are. on a train That's what cowboys actually were though yeah they well, are yeah, cowboys yeah. but it's yeah. not gunslinging and not what most people would think of when you think of. it is very much hey here's some cattle move them up the board put them on a train do it again. You'd be yeah. surprised how many people do get annoyed when you call, like, you know, Wild West gunslingers cowboys, though. They don't like mm. it at all. Mm. Anyway. Well, they're on the list as well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, yeah, Cloud Age uh, is uh, in is set in a post-apocalyptic setting uh, where basically the world is a dried husk and now everyone's flying around in airships. And the only currency is cows. And they must be moved. <laughs> oh, it takes ages to pay just for like a 50p uh, bag of revels or something. Just trying to push we need change cows. to a bit of porn off. <laughs> good, to know that, it's not about good to know that revels are going to survive the apocalypse though. <laughs> I mean, only the coffee ones. Fine not enough me. for them to base a currency on that. Yeah. No, I mean, the chocolate ones and the caramel ones are nice. Oh, no, they're gone, though. They're, no, it's just the coffee not. ones oh, are surviving. The, the coffee ones oh, are the cockroaches of the sweet world. There's an entire religion based around that episode, that, that advert where they play uh, Revel Roulette. Uh, oh, <laughs> and yeah. They're, just, they're confused. They're like, what are, what are the hidden gemstones? What is this orange that, of which they speak? None of us remember. Oh, we yeah. have only the, the one great flavour. At least it's not orange, though, because that would be really neat. That was orange is great. Oh, Tell me of the orange, orange revel. Well, child, uh, anyway. in the before <laughs> times, when man moved I around can... on the earth. Do you, do you 
imagine like... sitting in a in a market meeting for the Rebels team, and they were like, "What movie should we base our next advert Water on?" World. Someone says, "Deer Hunter." Or Deer Hunter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. I can't believe I'm the one in this situation trying to bring it back. To well, it's life. about time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think Wheels and I haven't shared the podcast since episode six? <laughs> <laughs> The chaotic energy is too much. Um, yeah, uh, you have to search for resources using a quote sleeving system, um, sleeving mechanism. <laughs> that sounds. Which they don't uh, explain beyond that. No, right. um, I don't quite know what it is. But <laughs> I hope it's nothing it's to do with cows. Makes finding resources harder on certain bits of terrain because the cloud is covering it. Oh, I see. So, of course, uh, natural, right? right. Yeah, okay. you see. But I don't know how it actually works in the real world, i.e. when you're playing it. But um. it seems... Eh? Mm. No, I'm just going, um. It's, yeah. uh, oh, okay. It seems interesting, yeah. There you go. Uh. Oh, and it's out this autumn. Cool. That's Kevin Costner's Cloud Age coming this autumn. Because Alexander Fister's made a lot of really good games, like Great Western Trail, I think is really, really fantastic, and he won the Kennespiel de Yar, the Kennespiel de Yars, um, twice in a row, um, for Broom Service and yeah, Isle not, of not Sky. Not Great Western Trail, right? <laughs> no, which I think, but Great Western Trail is, I think, probably his best known game at this point. Mm. But I haven't played Blackout Hong Kong, which I think was his last game. But from what I heard, it was kind of like okay. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, here's hoping this is kind of like a return to, to form in some ways. Um, but um, he he is co-creating it with uh... <laughs> wait a second. Oh, uh, Arno Steinvender. Oh, uh, the Terminator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's no. Uh... <laughs> A co- oh. he, he's co-created uh, a game called uh, Duke Lion. Is that how you say it? <laughs> That's, Take oh. it or leave it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should we just hit? Should we just punch the yeah. button on this one? Yeah. All right. <laughs> this has gone let, downhill. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you about Magic the Gathering: Amonkhet Remastered. Oh yes, okay. Matt Jarvis. Tell me. It's a quick one uh, because Magic the Gathering as folks know, has a digital version called Magic the Gathering Arena, and they are putting out a remastered version of Amonkhet, which is a Magic the Gathering set from a couple of years ago, I think 2017, and Hour of Devastation. Um, it was essentially inspired by Egyptian mythology and ancient Egypt, um, and this is the first kind of digital-only exclusive set for Arena, and it just features some of the cards from those sets co- combined together. I think some of them in tweaked. There's various new visual effects and things surrounding the gameplay mechanics that are introduced in those expansions and that's about it mm. is out now for arena if you're interested in checking it out fair enough is, um, there, is there a man who has a scarab crawl under his skin and <laughs> then he's really unhappy about it as far as i know there are no direct references to the mummy the mummy returns the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor or the scorpion king but we may have remastered you can get your uh, hands so. on the set if you want to nice. Well, I, I, I yelled fair enough, but it got covered by a mummy reference. Oh, I thought the joke was that you were just like, fair enough, move on, because you don't like magic. No, no, it was fair enough. Oh, well. Well, that one required quite a lot of thought. Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, 
Okay, let's let's get through the rest of news. Um, <laughs> uh, I'll take this train game, shall I? Because oh, that, will mean that, that that sounds like such a such a trivial tribulation for such you. Such a geezer. <laughs> there is a new train game coming from Capstone Games, who made Irish Gage and Ride the Rails. It's the third in the Iron Rail series, and it's a it's a new edition of Iberian Gage. So it's another Gage game. Um, but it is, it's very much in that vein. It's like a, what they call a cube rails game. So you add cubes to kind of build tracks. You're investing in various railroad companies. But one of the interesting things in Iberian Gage is that when you buy stocks in certain railroad companies, they also have numbers that determine the order in which each player that has a stock in that company adds one cube to extend tracks. So if you are kind of, um, Earlier in the packing order, you can have more of a sway over where you might take certain tracks to benefit yourself rather than other people who invest in that. Um, yeah, it seems cool. I've not played Iberian Gage, but Irish Gage uh, is a really neat, neat little game from what I know of it. Um, and it seems like Capstone Games have been doing a pretty good job with the Iron Rail series. Uh, and this will be out, I think... Oh, they're aiming for next year. Um, so around next June. Mm. Uh, and they're aiming at around... Forty dollars. I think the previous games in the series have been about thirty quid, so it should ring in around that kind of level. So, hey, they those games look really nice. I think Ian O'Toole does the artwork for all of them. Um, they seem really well produced, and they are yeah, they're putting out some pretty good games. Capstone. Uh, let's end on this one from Alex Meehan, the most <laughs> Alex Meehan story of all time. Matt Jarvis, do you know what it's time for? Uh, I do because I can read this document and I put the link in, but I'll pretend for the for the illusion of this podcast that I don't. No, me and what is it? It's time for crazy octopus. Crazy octopus. Crazy octopus. Uh, yeah, this is a dexterity game from Itten, which is a Jap- a Japanese publisher who've made games like Tokyo Highway, which oh, I've played Tokyo Highway. Fun. I think yes. I've ruined a game it's of that for okay. somebody else by banging on a table excitedly. <laughs> yes, I have. I got told off at PAX Unplugged by one of my colleagues uh, for banging excitedly on a table and ruining an entire game of Tokyo Highway. <laughs> well, that's Johnny's connection to it. Uh, <laughs> uh, they, they also made Moonbase, uh, which seems to be yes. fun as well. I've heard of Moonbase as they, well. They, has anyone also heard of Yeti in the house? Which, <laughs> I feel like I is that is that what you say when you enter a building? Yeti in the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, you found me. Um, <laughs> it is. It's a game from Itten, and it is incredibly simple. You have a tiny little wooden Yeti, um, and each round or turn. I'm kind of half remembering it, so apologies if it's half wrong. But I think this is. This is it, is you take this tiny Yeti, you hide it somewhere in the house, in the actual house you're playing in, you take a photo, you show the photo to everyone else, and then I think they have to either guess or race to find it, and that's oh, the game. That sounds great. So Yeti in the house. I love it. There you go, but crazy octopus. Johnny's Googling it now. <laughs> no. yeah, it's... Uh, crazy oh. octopus is... <laughs> is <laughs> a dexterity game where you have to try and get as many pieces of cargo onto your little wooden ship as possible uh, and you do that by flicking the bits of cargo with a little wooden flag 
towards your boat uh, and then balancing them on top of your boat um, but then of course there's there happens to be a, a overly large octopus in the area <laughs> naturally <laughs> that that seems to not be very happy about this general situation. Overly large is such a great way of describing it. That that octopus is overly large. That is too that big. Is. <laughs> Ridiculous. And then you have to drop a die on top of the octopus's head and it sort of bounces off and then depending on where it lands you have to move bits of the octopus. Uh, and at one point uh, in the teaser trailer they put out, the dice go straight through someone's boat and knocks a lot of the stuff over. Oh my so. gosh. I know. Who knows what's going to happen? I love describing dexterity games without like <laughs> being able to show them. They always sound so ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at, like, because I hovered over the link in the Google Doc and I've got, like, the preview image of, mm-hmm. like, this little meeple of a man, like, on a boat going, oh, hey. just sort of, like, holding his arms up, like, hello. <laughs> I see I a mean, little you single nipple of a man. <laughs> if you were on a boat and there were loads of tentacles around you, you know, mm. not a great, not a great. You don't know that about me, mm. man. <laughs> it's one of those things as well where I think like describing them is you go, oh yeah, okay. It's like Happy Salmon when you describe Happy Salmon. It's like, oh yeah, you match the cards mm. and you do the Someone's thing. Like, sure. And then when you that. play it, that's where the magic happens. Yeah. So this, I'm, I'm really interested in this. Yeah, like, no, it looks really cool, actually. The other, the other Itten game that I've experienced myself is Stonehenge and the Sun, which has one of the most ridiculous setups of a game I've ever seen, where mm. you affix a pendulum to the roof of the place <laughs> you're playing in, and then swing oh, a this, steel yeah. ball through Ooh, a load of wooden pieces and try not to hit any. Um, Very extra. Yeah, when I saw it at Essen, they had set up like a whole tripod thing, and I asked them, like, oh, when you play at home, does it come with the tripod? And they're like, no, 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 you fix it to your roof. Just like, that's a lot of dedication for this very simple game about swinging a pendulum around. Yeah. And you can never take it down, even. Yeah. It lives there forever now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the game is going up on Kickstarter at some point. Crazy Octopus. So. Kraken. Nice. Wow. There you go. At least you got recognised that Thank time. Thank you. All right. I think that's it for news. So let's move into emails. If you've got an email for the Dicebreaker podcast, email podcast at dicebreaker.com or find us on Twitter at joindicebreaker or go to the website dicebreaker.com or get in touch somehow. We'll, Matt, we'll get it. You missed um, the oh, Kickstarters. Yes. Sorry, we did all, I... all this talking about, um, about miniatures games on this podcast and we've got a brand new miniatures game available on Kickstarter now. But it's not a miniatures game, is it, Wills? Well, tell us more, Matthew. <laughs> so, this is a... <laughs> It's oh, a, well. a small kind of indie game called Skirmish, uh, which seems really neat, which Wills pointed me in the direction of. So thank you, Wills. Uh, it, um, I think it's got the subtitle Wallet Friendly Wargaming. I couldn't tell whether that was the actual name of the game or just the kind of Kickstarter tag mm. they'd put on it. Um, but it's from a... The designers themselves have made a few things on itch, um, Chloe Montgomery and Alicia Ridley. Um, but the studio they formed, Biscuit Fund Games, Great is name. their first release. Uh, so it's on Kickstarter at the moment, and it is a it's a really nice idea. So it's a a skirmish game, so like a war a war game like Warhammer to put it in very broad terms. But the whole idea of it is that it's just incredibly cheap and easy to play. So you can play on a normal eight x eight grid, so that's a typical chessboard, and all the units are just dice. 
So the different dice represent different units. Um, so you could have a like a d20 that represents a kind of tougher unit because the uh, the face, the current face of the die is the health remaining uh, versus like a six-sided die or a d4 or something like that. Um, but they are just selling the, the rule book, which is 10 quid as a PDF or 15 pounds as like a little A5 softback. Um, and it's just this, in the description they say, you know, it's designed to be played on a bus or on a dining room table. You can play with a chessboard and dice, but you could also play with bits of paper or whatever you have lying around, really. Um, but it, it seems like a really slick rule set where you move and you attack. You can have objectives, so you can protect a certain unit or you can try to get to a target square. Um, they've got a bit of lore in the, the rule book, um, what they're calling chronicles, so these kind of like narrative um, framing for certain armies. Um, because the armies can all be different you can create custom armies and custom kind of narratives and conflicts and things like that uh, it just seems like a really a really cool idea and a really well executed kind of way of getting people into what is traditionally an incredibly impenetrable yeah part of the hobby yeah um so yeah it seems seems really really cool um so that's uh, up at the moment it's called Skull. yeah it's it's it got funded in twelve hours. It already made um, one point two thousand pounds, which is a lot of biscuits for the fund. So um, mm-hmm. mm. yeah, they're, they're going to be eating well. <laughs> yeah, and I think at, at one and a half grand, they are unlocking a second book, which will have a load of armies created by various contributors to the project. Mm. Um, so, like I say, the the original rule book has what they're calling the Tamerlane Wars, uh, which is the Ventras alliance against the Mordaunt Empire. And there are five different armies for each side, and all the armies are unique. But there's a lot of customizability and kind of um, like one of the features they really tout about it is being able to just create new units and new armies and new kind of scenarios as you like. Uh, so this new book, if it unlocks, will kind of demonstrate that, but also give you a load more things to play with. Cool. So it seems incredibly cool. Mm. All right. Now let's move on to emails. All right. Uh, so. Let's read this one. Johnny, would you like to read this one from Alcogod? I'd love to. Hi, Dicebreaker team. What are your thoughts on if a DM should or should not play a main character throughout a campaign? I've only played four to five sessions of D&D and was unable to continue as I had to move to a different part of the country for work, but it was not a good experience playing. The DM played a tabaxi whose stats meant he could move faster or further than any of the other characters, and he had magic bullets that would kill most enemies in one to two shots. For me, this felt like it broke the immersion whenever it was the DM's character's turn. Do you think it is possible for a DM to play a character and still be a positive member of the team, even knowing what is going to happen in the session? Thanks for all the entertainment, Alcogod. Yeah, that sounds like some BS. Alco God, mm. um, no, no, a, a DM shouldn't shouldn't have a character and then use them like that. Like in character, in, in... yeah, I was, was going to say it sounds more like this DM shouldn't play a character. Yeah, because I've I've run campaigns, you know, quite regularly run campaigns where there are NPCs attached to the party because it's good to be able to sort of chip in with conversations and you know give them a little steer as and when they need it. But when it comes to combat, if that players getting if that character's getting involved i'll turn them over to the players to use i won't use them myself um i especially won't go charging on ahead and finish the combat encounter before anyone else joins in like not to diss your dm but they've got it coming (laughs) 
Maybe this is uh, the DM's way of just like skipping the boring D and D combat. But they're just like, oh, actually, you've got someone with you who can just shoot people and kill them in one but, hit. So don't worry about but it. If, if it's boring and you want to skip it, don't don't offer it up. You know, it's like, yeah. be like oh, are you hungry? Because I made all these sandwiches, but you probably don't want those. <laughs> Maybe we'll find open... soup if we go down this road. Like what? Then they just open their mouth and just put all the sandwiches yeah. in, like little baby birds. <laughs> Swallow. Who love sandwiches? Yep. Directly in front of you, not unflinching eye contact the whole yep. time. <laughs> yeah, Alka God. I hope the move went well, and I hope you find a different D and D group because um, mm. that's that's weird. <laughs> yeah, no. I think NPCs are great. I think they're hilarious um, because. They give the players something else to bounce off of. And especially if you swap them out with different kind of areas and, and storylines and such, it gives them something apart from the other players to kind of, uh, you know, to talk to and interact with in a way that they probably wouldn't with other player characters. Because yeah. let's just face it, with NPCs, you can get away with doing a lot more than you can with other player characters. Because, mm. <laughs> you know, don't be horrible to other player characters. Yeah. Or, but but NPCs kind of th- that's more allowed because yeah the the DM's probably not going to be like I can't believe you did that to my NPC yeah <laughs> I just like yeah it's, if NPCs are sort of taking a back back seat and being there in some ways for fodder for the player characters hmm. don't make one of them Optimus Prime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's. It sounds like the problem here is that they didn't make an NPC; they made themselves a character in the group. And then because they're the DM, they were just like, "Well, I should have all of the cool stuff." And it's like, mm. yeah, it's uh, it's nice that they sounds want to like... join in, but there are ways to do it. Yeah, mm, sounds like they made a cat with a gun on its head. Yeah, <laughs> just opens its mouth, and there's just a a double barreled shotgun. You've seen those videos of people like uh, shooting their cat like a machine gun, right? Yeah, of course. Where they just like. They just move their legs like that and they go, ah. <laughs> Yeah. I think, yeah, good. I'm with the rest of you. Like, ultimately, like, a DM or GM should serve a good story and a good experience for the whole group. That's kind of their, mm. their main role mm. is to make it as good as possible for everyone. So if they are then either stealing the limelight or kind of just, sub- like, like Johnny said, subverting the thing they should be fixing anyway, it feels like... You know, maybe just focus on being a good GM before you then start trying to also play a character at the same time. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, Wheels, would you like to read this one from Paul, please? I would love to, Matthew. Um, I don't know why I keep calling you Matthew today, but it's there we fine. go. Hi, all. Very endearing. Sign <laughs> of respect. <laughs> Hi, all. Wondering what the team's thoughts were on actual play podcasts or video series. Other than Critical Role and, of course, Dungeon Breaker, do any of you regularly listen or watch any other series? Personally, I'm a massive fan of the Adventure Zone, but they tend to rely on a fun narrative rather than sticking solidly to the rules that may bog down the story. Any of you given them a go? Uh, prefer something more rulesy or something more fun? Cheers and thanks for all the lovely podding. Paul Oyston. Thank you, Paul, for the question. Um, I don't tend to listen to much like RPG stuff, to be honest, because I always think I'd just rather be playing. Um... But I do see the value in them. I I think if I was to dip my toes into one, I probably would go for the Adventure Zone just because I love the McElroys so much. Um, but yeah, I I definitely lean towards one of those more sort of um, fun and whimsical ones. I don't really care about the rules they're using. I'm more, I'm more invested in like the story they're telling. Mm. But I think you watch quite a lot of these, don't you, Ian? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, 
follow and listen to and watch a reasonable amount. So, obviously, Critical Role and Adventure Zone are already there. Um, I listen to one on the off when it when it happens called. So there's a podcast called The Flop House, which I'm a big fan of, and they don't actually do anything to do with RPGs most of the time. They, it's a it's a podcast about bad films, and they watch mm. them and then talk about them. Uh, but uh, one of the hosts, Stuart Wellington, is a massive tabletop nerd as well, uh, and for their um, they have they're part of a network that does like a char- no like a fundraising drive for the network, and part of that they did a crossover with the Adventure Zone, uh, uh, where the Adventure Zone guys and the McElroy brothers, you know, looked at a film and then talked about it, and they ran an RPG session that kind of then spawned like a separate side series that they do uh, on occasion called Flop Tales. Woo! Um, woo! <laughs> yeah, woo! Yeah. Um, where they've done, um, they've done D&D, obviously, but they've also done like Monster of the Week and like some other, you know, RPGs that are a bit more out there. And I really like Flop Tales. Um, yeah, woo-woo. Uh, there's also... <laughs> There's also a, a actual play called Venture Maidens, uh, which is really cool. And they're all just uh, ladies playing RPGs, which is fun. Cool. Uh, and a Starfinder actual play podcast called... Oh no, I <gasps> forgot what it's called. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Fair. Uh, <laughs> it will come to me at some point oh. and I might tweet about well, that it. That was fairly comprehensive mean... anyway. Mm. You mean Roll for Combat? The Glass Cannon? Androids and Aliens? Yes! Table Androids burst? and Aliens! And that's, yeah, Androids and Aliens! That's the one I meant as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's the they one. They totally didn't Google it and read out the top four results. No, yeah, and, Androids and Aliens. That's the one. Um, which is actually a spin-off of the Glass Cannon podcast as well. So. I personally don't listen to any like actual play stuff. I think because so much of my time is absorbed by like keeping up with this stuff anyway sometimes it's kind of nice to just break away yeah, it and feels like a busman's holiday like, otherwise <laughs> yeah i think like i've dipped into things like i really admire austin walker uh, friends at the table i've listened to mm. the adventure zone here and there like i'll dip into them occasionally but also it's that thing of like for a long time i was a or i generally still avoid a lot of reviews as well because obviously like if i'm writing a review of something i kind of want like a fresh perspective yeah. or yeah. like that kind of thing. Like, I, I think it, like, I really admire folks that can just keep going with something constant like that. Um, but, like, I don't think any of them are bad. I don't avoid them for anything like that. It's just, I think, uh, a side effect of doing this job is like, oh, wow, I really... But sometimes there's something, there's nothing you'd rather do less than think about board games and role-playing games. It's like, I just want to just take a breather. Like, much as I love them, it's, like, 15 hours of my day. Yeah, I'm the same. I I don't really watch or listen to any um, for my sins. Like it's it's partly because this takes up a lot of my time. But also, I don't want to feel like I'm cribbing from anyone. I don't want to be like, oh, that's a great idea, and then be like, oh no. But I'd rather sort of roll into the own you know the sessions I do run for actual plays with ideas, knowing that at least the sort of ideas I had by myself. Because there have been a couple of times when we've done stuff, and people have been like, I wonder if that's an Adventure Zone reference, or I wonder if that's been cribbed from Critical Role. And it eases my conscience to be able to say, no, I've got, 
have no idea about this. So, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'll tell you. All right, cool. Yep. Uh, me and do you want to read this one from at Hella Media on Twitter? Yeah. At uh, <laughs> Hella Media says, "What's your most embarrassing board game collection admission?" Ours is probably owning four different versions of Monopoly. Oof. Well, first Ooh. off, you know, you got a lot of guts writing into this podcast. If that's your, uh, <laughs> that's what you've got languishing in your abode. Uh, I own Settlers of Catan in Catalan, um, and owning it isn't, you know, it's fine. Like I, I know the rules to Catan, and you know, uh, everyone knows what the longest road card does. But I bought it when I was on holiday in Spain. Um, because it has the really fancy pieces. So instead of the um, the wooden little block roads, it's got the lovely sculpted ones, and all of the, all of the pieces that go on the board are delightful. So I bought it, and I was in a board game shop. Um, and where was I? I was in Barcelona, and um, or I might have been in Sitges. I can't remember. Either way, um, there the you know the, the most commonly lang- spoken language obviously is Catalan, not Castilian Spanish, which I can speak just about passably. Um, so this lady struck up a conversation with me clearly assuming that I spoke Catalan because I was buying a Catalan board game and she kept asking me questions and I was like eh, eh, and I didn't have the I was kept going like mm-hmm. I didn't have the guts to admit that I couldn't understand her and then eventually she sort of stood there and just stared looking quite perturbed while I quietly paid for this copy of Settlers of Catan uh, I've played that copy once in the interceding years uh, and I'm still sort of ashamed um, so I'm going to get rid of it when I move house because it's traumatic. Yeah, it's just like I've got this Settlers of Catan copy that I'm deeply ashamed of. So I'm going to bin it. Well, not bin it. I'm going to. I've got a friend. It's already earmarked for. I'm going to give it to them. It's like every time you open a copy of Scrabble, it's got a picture of that time that you said you too after a waitress told you to enjoy your meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like, um, your DM screen on the inside is just like a torn up marriage certificate. <laughs> oh. oh my god! Be like, all right, everyone. This is going to be a really fun session. We're, we're, um, yeah, that. Wow. So that's why I'm getting rid of rid of Settlers of Catan. What are your most embarrassing board game collection admissions, everybody? Please save me from this nightmare I have made. I think mine is. Uh, I mean, wrestling. No, the wrestling one. There's there's no shame in wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> the, actually, WWE Superstar Showdown is a perfectly fine game. And it was a gift from a friend. So, it, and it was a good gift. We enjoyed it very much. Um, I do, I think, not here, but at my parents' house, I just abandoned the copy of Cards Against Humanity I owned at one point. Mm. Same. But I still technically have some kind of ownership of it. I think mm. the first opportunity I get to ditch it because it's a bad game made by, mad, I gave made by bad people. To a charity shop. Yeah, that's probably for the best. Um, I also think I have Exploding Kitten somewhere, which is perfectly like, it's, it's five minutes. It's not like abhorrent in any way. It's just a bit of a me. It's rubbish. Um, I think on a slightly different note, I have a copy of Cyberpunk 2020, which I found in a charity shop a long time ago. And it was it was like a little bit rough around the edges. But the, so the bed we have is one of the ones that you lift up. Uh-huh. Um, which we tend to use in terms of like, okay, this is where the board game collection lives. Let's not expand outside of that, which doesn't work because now it's on top of our bookcase and there's some behind the door and there's some here and this laptop is balanced on top of board games. Um, But the bed we have, when you put it down, it has like little legs to support the the frame 
and one day when I was putting it down, it just caught the edge of the cyberpunk box and just damaged it a bit, oh. which I was gutted about um, because it's like a you know a copy from 1990 or something. I think that's I was, okay. You know, it happens. Yeah, I mean, it happened with oh gosh, Mangaka, which is a pretty fun drawing game um, about drawing manga, and that got accidentally shoved into the middle of the thing and the leg just went straight through like whole punch that's what box. i was expecting you to say yeah. the first yeah. time that, the that leg was also just quite gutting yeah. um that bed is a bit of a, a bit of a pain but it's also yeah it's a killer but yeah there you go there's my kind of admissions uh wheels i was gonna say me and you read the question you should you should go first my friend. oh okay <laughs> uh for me it's probably um i already mentioned cards against humanity uh, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> uh, my, uh, did I tell you that once uh, we got my dad a copy of Arsenal Monopoly, <laughs> and he didn't care because he doesn't care about board games, so he just gave it to me, so then I just <laughs> have a copy of Arsenal Monopoly, not with me now. It's still at my parents' house. But it kind of like unofficially is owned by me, uh, and I kind of see that as like a shameful thing because one, I don't like football, and two, I don't like Monopoly. Yep. So there are two. And three, things. your dad didn't like yeah. the present. <laughs> yeah, my dad didn't like the present. Um, we also used to have a copy of uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Was it Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Or was it the one with it... the DVD? No, I'm getting confused. What's the show with uh, The Weakest Link? That's the one. We used to have uh, a copy of The Weakest Link board game. And it was a weird, like, electronic style board game. Amazing. Uh, and it had, like, voice clips from the show. Yes. Uh, and I don't know what's happened to that. I think I remember that. I feel like I've played that before. Yeah, it, it's probably in my parents' loft somewhere. Like rotting away with the wasps like <laughs> oh, flying around. God, it. you've just reminded me my copy of Sheriff of Nottingham smells musty, and it's got those little velour yeah. bags people have to have to handle. It makes me I'm so embarrassed every time I play it, but I refuse to buy the new edition with their awful art. More like I mean, rotting we did one of the. Say again. We did oh. one of our list videos, and and you brought in some games that must have been next to a, to a damp corner or something, Johnny. Oh like, yeah, Johnny. I think you might have some damp, and you were like, oh no. My, yeah, my carcass <laughs> on smells bad as well. Yeah. I don't. I still haven't opened that coffee of atmosphere, so I don't know how bad that smells. <laughs> um, You've got to keep those spirits in it. Exactly. Yeah. Also, uh, one more would be a game called Sparkle Kitty Nights, which I really like. Uh, but it's shameful in the sense that some of the art is a bit provocative. <gasps> Alex Meehan. I know. <laughs> wow. Shocking. I've got I've got a very similar story to yours where I um I spent like when I was a poor student as well I spent forty quid on Memoir Forty Four as a present for my dad because I thought he'd really like it because he's he's that classic like history dad. Oh yeah, mine's a history dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, World War Two and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think he really like appreciated it, but also just didn't care about it in the slightest. And that he was just like, "Oh, I forgot to bring it home with me," and I was like, "Oh." <laughs> so that whilst it's a good game, and I'm glad I've got it, it's also just like, "Oh, that was a failed present." <laughs> mm-hmm. But I also, um, when I was working in Cambridge, I was working for Incall, and they have a really nice board game shop in Cambridge. Um, so I used, to, as you probably know, Matt, is it Heather's? Um, 
It's the one near the big bridge. I can't remember what it's called now. There's because there's the Heifer's Bookshop, which has like a you go downstairs and there's a whole board game section. It is incredible. No, it's, I really it's recommend it. Not that the book. bookshop. It's it's one Ooh. that's just a ground floor pure board games. What's this, Matt? I you need to check find this, this out. place. Yeah, I yeah. will it's, seek it it's out. Opposite, it's opposite one of those like um, you know those like parks that are full of like cinemas and fast food restaurants and all that kind of stuff. Yes, yeah. I think yeah, I know the one next to a yeah. big bridge, not far from the train station, because I could walk it. Anyway, this is thrilling. Um, stuff. Yeah, I'm telling you about your own your own city, Matthew, um, which I've just called you again. Uh, so, so basically, I went in. I used to go in there all the time, like whenever I just got a paycheck or whatever. It was only an internship, so I just like grab myself a nice board game every now and again. Um, and I would like I would be very conscious of the fact that I would see a game and sit there for ages on my phone, like looking at reviews and stuff, because I didn't want to buy anything that was like, oh, what if this is rubbish and I'm just buying it on a whim? And then one day I just went in and I was like, all right, forget it. I'm just going to find one that looks kind of cool. I'm going to grab it and buy it. And I bought this thing called like Martial Arts the Card Game, which had been <laughs> kickstarted. And it's so crap. <laughs> it was like the one time I hadn't bothered to check if it was any good. And if I'd looked up, it like I would have seen that everyone was like, these rules don't make any sense. Like it's it's borderline unplayable because it's just, like the rule which doesn't work. Now it's just a constant blight on my collection. <laughs> I tied an onion to my belt, which was the style at the time. The time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I will read this one from Anonymous Law Student. L-O-R-E, oh. which I think is a far record. Oh, oh yes. good pun. Yeah, that's strong. Dib, Dice Breaker team, I'm going back to uni soon, where I live with a few housemates. I'm planning a Monster of the Week campaign, which involves both my housemates and some friends who go to other unis, where it wouldn't be possible to meet face-to-face even before COVID. Do you have any tips for running a campaign where half of the players are Skyping in? Have any of you ever been involved in a situation like this? Would it be best if my housemate and I all went to different rooms and all used Skype? Mm. I can speak to this very directly because I am in a Monster of the Week campaign where we all Skype in and multiple (laughs) of us are in the same houses. Um, So my wife and I are obviously in the the same place. Um, Our friends, um, two of our friends are living together in the same place. Um, In fact multiple there are multiple kind of couples um and whatnot and so when we do it we do indeed like we all have separate laptop setups and we all kind of separate out just because it's easier to kind of do that i think often with the audio like trying to capture audio from multiple people sat around a laptop that's then blasting out other people's conversation and potentially echoing back it's just kind of a nightmare yeah it's horrible um yeah so if you have the opportunity to have kind of like separate devices or separate headsets or whatnot it it tends to work out i'd better say it's way. essential really if you're if yeah. if anyone is skyping in everyone should be skyping in individually yeah um I'd agree, especially yeah. since like it in terms of it's a lot quicker to make eye contact with somebody and start talking to them when you're in the same room whereas if you're like i turn to more boss and say then it, it levels the playing field i think when you've got people playing in the same room they can have all these lovely little interactions together and yeah. everyone else has to be like it's like using a rotary phone while everyone else is texting mm. um so yeah that mm. be well anonymous law student <laughs> <laughs> yeah and enjoy monster of the week it's a great game mm. i'm really enjoying it mm. uh all right we went through that one quite quickly so johnny would you like to read this one from andrew t terry andrew t terry what is the most interesting or creative use of a common spell or ability you've seen or done in a TTRPG? 
A friend of mine told me one of his players cast Create Water inside an enemy's lungs as an attack. Oh my god. That's really perfectly dark. horrible. <laughs> um, I loved um, Morvos's UV light. That was amazing. In the first episode oh of Dungeon Oh god, I think that was the one that... I don't think I did that in the one that went out eventually. <gasps> because we actually lost... This is like a little oh, yeah. bit of behind the scenes. Oh. The first Dungeon no, Breaker no, no, recording no. we ever did. I don't think... Or maybe I tried to report it. I don't it remember I the UV light. Quite good at the time. Are you talking but about the night light or the UV light? No, I've absolutely seen somebody in our YouTube comments reference it before. Okay, yeah, maybe I I copied Unless myself. Unless we talked about it on a podcast, but I think yeah, no, I think you use the UV light on um, on Cisco's empty cage. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, that was really good because like I can, it's, I can make any color light, and UV light is basically black light. Yeah, that was very good. Oh. I liked that a lot. Yeah, it was really Thank cool. You. That was one of my favorite ones. That's very kind of you. Excellent stuff. Sorry. Uh, I we actually have a really great piece on this on the website. I'm not just saying this to to recommend you go to the website, which you should do anyway. Um, but Rosh Kelly wrote a really fantastic, I believe it was Rosh, um, wrote a really fantastic piece about um, conjure food and water, mm. um, and the use of because conjure food and water allows you to create quote 45 pounds of bland but nourishing food, and it was kind of discussing if you use that because it only determines it by weight. That it, it happens to be quite a lot of things like meringue, uh, which doesn't weigh very much. So you can <laughs> essentially fill a room with meringue, um, if you so wish, using Create Food and Water. Um, so it's a really, really fun piece. And it was one of those things where I read it and was like, oh, I've, I really need to take inspiration from this. Yeah. Mm. In that way where it's like, oh, I've, been, I've just been very boring with my use of spells. I did really like doing, um, when Fizz made that, illusory version of the edge of uh, the platform when we were in the, oh, that the was good. That was incredible. Hangout, and he just like, stepped on it thinking it was real and just collapsed to his death. Um, <laughs> that was quite The fun. best one I've ever seen was actually basically a misunderstanding of the mechanics, which was such an inspired plan. Um, it was when I was appearing in uh, Questing Time, which um, was, you know, in the before times a, a monthly live show at the Phoenix um, Theatre in, in London. Uh, I was playing with um, Steve McNeil, who's a comedian. He was playing as a, a half-orc barbarian, I think. And he had run out of activations of rage. But he knew that as a half-orc, any time he got dropped to zero hit points, he would, in fact, go to one hit point. He mm -hmm. took this as dying and reloading in a video game where he was like, well, that will give me all my uses of rage back. So he was... He turned... He whispered in my ear. He was like, la, 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 is that a good plan? And I was like... No, but you should absolutely say it anyway. Um, so he was like, I want to hit myself in the head with my axe, which will take me to zero hit points, which means I get another life, which means I can rage, and then I want to attack everyone. Um, and uh, Paul Foxcroft, the GM, was like, that's just not how it worked. But okay, you can hit yourself in the head with your axe. And so he did. And he just did himself a load of damage. And he was like, do I get to rage now? And he went, no. And it was just a lovely <laughs> little bit of play of like, it was such an inventive interpretation of it that I think if I'd been in the GMC, I would have been tempted to be like, yeah, mm. you can put yourself in a palpably worse situation. I'll give you one rage. But yeah. There was that nice moment when we were doing BreakQuest Club where uh, Ian was like, I want to try and sing the song that the... Uh, oh, the dryads in whatever, the pre whatever, earlier yeah, in the, the dryads were singing, singing in the forest. And, and you just had that moment where you went, now... Me talking to uh, Ian Higton, good, bad, the bad, good. Obviously, this will not work. 
But me talking to Ian as a player, I mean, if you want to, like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he did it anyway. He was like, I know this won't work. I won't summon the Dryads to our aid, but I'll try. And it was a nice little bit of role-playing. Yeah, it's fun. Mm. Yeah. I think for me, I was playing a campaign once, a D&D campaign, and um, we were infiltrating this, like, ro- this, like noble family, uh, and one of our party members was just basically on the verge of getting discovered uh, it was like in the middle of a banquet or something and they were being accused by like someone there of like being an outsider essentially so my spellcaster my bard cast um, Tasha's Hideous Laughter which is a fantastic spell uh, but you can essentially use sleight of hand to try and cast spells secretly um, as long as they're not using elements that are too obvious uh, and I basically did a sleight of hand roll, managed to you know, get unnoticed cast it on the person accusing my party member of being an outsider and suddenly they just start laughing un- uncontrollably and the whole hall is just like uh-huh, 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 and just starts <laughs> laughing along with them and the whole thing is like basically gave us a distraction to kind of get that person away and um, complete our mission. So. Mm. I love the I love the idea of using that to make the rest of a crowd think that this guy was joking when he, yeah. when he was actually yeah. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, it's a great spell. Yeah. Thank you for your question. I think that's all we've got time for mm-hmm. this week. Again, if you would like to send a question to the team, you can reach us at podcast at dicebreaker.com. Uh, find us on Twitter at join Dicebreaker. Find us on the internet at dicebreaker.com or youtube.com slash dicebreaker. Uh, or, or just find us around. We're around. You'll find us. Um, yeah. Before we leave you, let's look ahead to what's coming up. Johnny, you know this is coming up. Oh, yeah. What's coming up on the video side? All righty. Uh, so we've got another episode of Dungeon Breaker as we, we hurtle towards the conclusion of our Avernus um, arc. We've got a lovely list feature from Wheels on uh, five new RPGs that don't need a GM. Um, We're going to be playing a very special RPG with Nate Crowley uh, live on Thursday the 27th, uh, which is is going to be tremendously good fun. But uh, most importantly, when this one goes out, this podcast, uh, if you're listening to it on Friday the 21st of august 2020 uh we're gonna be having a few drinks because that is the official one year anniversary of our very first youtube upload so happy birthday dicebreaker youtube channel also happy birthday alex lowly's but mostly happy birthday dicebreaker youtube (laughs) channel um i'm gonna be reliving the events of last year and uh, getting a bit pissed in the daytime Mm. we're gonna get another massive bottle of champagne champagne is a very generous words to describe the <laughs> sparkling it wine. was it was martini <laughs> carver uh but, yeah i'll tan one of them in the soda stream give me a give me a just give me a crazy straw we'll, we'll go ham <laughs> all right excellent stuff over on the website uh we have various bits coming up we have a look at some of the the most valuable magic the gathering cards of all time uh we have a piece up now on why you should look at playing the pokemon trading card game uh, we'll have like a guide to Magic the Gathering Arena. There's quite a lot of Magic stuff coming at the moment because there's a new core set just out. So if you're interested in getting in on the ground floor, now is a good time to do it. 
we also have coming up a little later towards the end of the month we have a chat with some of the folks behind the reboot of the dark tower or dark tower mm. um the kind of 80s board game um and much more besides we have various other bits planned coming up also looking ahead into the future uh this week as a little tease uh this week we're actually recording another run of cyberpunk uh with cody pondsmith co-designer of cyberpunk red um those who have been watching the channel a little while speaking of dicebreaker been going a while um will remember that last year we played with cody at pax unplugged and it was it was something Mm-hmm. It was incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. I um, hope my dice are as broken as they were. When oh we yeah, you played. like four crits in a row. It was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, time, didn't you? yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll be joining forces with Cody once more, who will be kindly GMing for us, and that will be for um, PAX Online, which is actually next month, uh, September twelfth through to twentieth, alongside EGX Digital. Yeah. Um, but we'll be making various appearances throughout that show and one of those appearances will be playing cyberpunk red with cody pondsmith uh, which i'm very much looking forward to mm-hmm. so there's a little teaser we also if you missed the retopop metaverse which just took place this last weekend uh we did a special session of blaze in the dark the whole team uh gm'd by wheels here our very own wheels um and so there was like a little it was a 45 minute episode as part of that show but we've also got the rest of that session coming up as free episodes I believe. Mm. So, yeah, uh, that will be coming up soon. So you'll catch us around at these digital events all over the place. Mm, Um, These digital events I've been hearing so much about. Yes. Uh, And we've got much more to announce about our other plans at PAX Online and EGX Digital. So keep your eyes peeled for that in the very near future. But until then... Uh, you can find us at dicebreaker.com. You can find us at youtube.com slash dicebreaker. You can buy our new summer range of merchandise at dicebreaker.myshopify.com, uh, which, thanks to Shopify, isn't as neat a URL to say out loud as ours. Um, and I stumble over it every time because it has the yeah, mind there. Same. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, we will return next Friday with the next episode of the Dicebreaker podcast. I have been Matt Jarvis. Thank you, Johnny Chiodini. Woo! <laughs> Thank you, Alex Meehan. Thank you, Michael Wills Whelan. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. Until we meet again, have a lovely day. Bye. 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 Bye.